all their fans uh, go to our golf courses and fill up all of our golf courses. You can't go golfing when they're here. And then they show up about the second or third inning, um, half crop. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. Well, welcome to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. Uh, My guest today is Matt Acker. Uh, Matt, in this case, is the owner and the general manager of the Port Angeles Lefties, right? I have been the general manager. Currently, I'm just the owner and helping with operations. Okay. I have a general manager now. Okay. (laughs) Well, Matt, welcome. And... um, why don't you give us the backstory? So the lefties, my first question, why did you name them the lefties? What was the, the motivation? Well, um, when we were, we were moving the team from Kitsap and that was the Kitsap Blue Jackets. And we came up here uh, to Port Angeles. We had a contest and um, Sasquatch um, was a, you know, a big one. Uh, we found out that that name has been owned and to, to do that was going to be really difficult, especially in baseball. Um, the next one was the marmot, the Olympic marmot, which is a very popular, um, little creature up here. As you drive up uh, hurricane Ridge, they, they come out and they yell at you and it's kind of funny. Um, and then I got a letter from the marmot clothing company, which prints their name marmot. Um, and they sell on the Olympic peninsula because of the mountains. And, um, it, you know, I was like, oh my goodness. Um, and so I went to John Stanton's group and I asked them what, you know, uh, what can I do in this situation? And they said, well, uh, you know, you could, you know, work with them and, and it could cost you. And it was a pretty ra- big range of dollars. And at the time I was like, I'm, I'm not in that position to do that. Um, so they told me that a name is not as important uh, as, as your team colors, what your team's about and your community efforts. Um, if you can find a name that crosses, that's great, but it's not, you know, the end of the world. Um, so I was going to name the team, the Polys, uh, as in Port Angeles upper left. Okay. And, uh, okay. they did a test on that name and they said, nah. And then I came back with, uh, Pawas, um, at, you know, Port Angeles, Washington. And, um, they said, no, plus no one from squim or forks is going to buy that. And I'm okay. like, yeah, you're right. And so I got frustrated and I said, well, I'm going to call, I'm going to call them the lefties. Cause that's like a common name. You can't do anything about that. Um, it's just like calling your team Saturday. And they came back to me and said, you know, Saturday's not a good, not a bad name. And I, and they said, but lefties is te- testing off the chart. And <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that it is. So our, our mascot itself is a marmot, um, okay. but our name is the lefties. And what we found is left-handed people don't buy our stuff. Right-handed people buy for the one lefty they know in the family. And that actually worked out really well <laughs> i'm left-handed that's why i'm laughing I, i'm like yeah it's hard to find left-handed stuff as a kid i wanted to golf you know you know you know how hard it is to do you have any idea how hard it was to find left-handed golf clubs in the 1970s yeah. they didn't i know exist. some left-handed <laughs> golfers and they um it's very difficult right yes well that's i had no idea that that was going to be the origin story of the lefties how cool is that so let's go your 
if we can, let's talk about your ownership path. How did you, when did you wake up and decide you wanted to be a, a, a owner of a team in the, in the West coast league? Oh man. Um, I, I coached. That's what I did um, prior to for 14 years. Um, okay. And I really enjoyed my time with my kids when they were, when they were young. But when you're when you're coaching, you have to you have to be on the road all the time, and um, you know that was getting old. I didn't want to um, not be around my kids. I moved up the ladder rather quickly, mm-hmm. so um, I was into that position where you know it was time to make the next step, which is you know travel the country and live in Lubbock and Far- Fargo and you know all these different towns, and then to, to hopefully end up back in the Northwest because that's where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, I, I just saw the time that I was going to miss for my kids and some of the people that were my age that were doing that, um, you know, they were gone for 280, 300 days out of the year um, away from their family, you know, in hotel rooms. And, and that was just something I wasn't willing to do. Um, I wanted to, you know, family's got a lot of entrepreneurship and, and I started looking at different things that could keep me involved in the game of baseball that, um, but I, that I didn't have a boss and, uh, man, there's just not that many. If you think about it, there's, you know, there's really not. Uh, so I, uh, I kind of set my, my, my sights on to, you know, be in, in that situation. I started up the, the Puget Sound League, um, PSCL baseball and started doing camps and, and tournaments and, uh, running my own collegiate league. It was a minor league to the West Coast League. And um, right when I started to do that, I knew I wanted to own a West Coast League team. Um, I just had to get that business in a position where I could, if a team that was viable came open. And I did. And that's so, so um, that first summer in 2013, um, I, or 2012, I, I saw the the writing on the wall that I was going to be in a position. This is going to, this is successful what I'm doing. And then I just needed to wait for a team to be that was available. And Mm -hmm. uh, the kids at blue jackets became available in 2015 and I purchased them. I I love that. Long and short of it. (laughs) I love asking questions like this, you know, like what went wrong? Cause I love to hear like the, 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 like, I never would have thought about this, but Share with us something about owning a baseball club that you weren't prepared for mentally. Like you were surprised by it. Well, I, I, I kind of, I knew the ins and outs of it. Um, you know, I knew where the revenue sources were, uh, you know, dealing with, the, with, uh, you know, staff and, and, you know, finding those people. Um, I guess I wasn't, anything was totally surprising to me um, except for there's things that I didn't anticipate that I wouldn't enjoy. Um, you know, I, I have no problem in enjoy going and talking to groups of people. And, and um, um, like, so I guess, I guess one thing that I was surprised with uh, now that I think about it, I've spoken in front of thousands of people um, as a guest speaker uh, for, you know, whatever, like a, uh, you know, uh, uh, all schools, you know, like, you know, uh, small towns uh, mm-hmm. for various things. Um, been on a baseball field in front of thousands and thousands of people. But I never really been in the crowd. 
I, you know, I didn't, I've never really been in the crowd. I've been a spectator, I've gone to Seahawks games or Mariners games, but um, never a crowd. I've never been in a crowd in that position where they all knew who you were um, oh. rather than me speaking in front of them. Um, oh, and I don't okay. like it. <laughs> I hate it. Okay. I, I hate it. If you're anonymous and sitting in the crowd is, is not a, a it's fine. But when you're not anonymous and everybody knows who you are and everybody has their good things, bad things, um, you know, complaints, gripes, um, suggestions, uh, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. So I, that was something I was like, oh, this is not fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would not have thought of it. I would not yeah. have thought of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was something I had never experienced before either. And I didn't even anticipate it going into it. Okay. Well, before we go into the lefties, I, I'm going to back up. You played baseball in college. I, I did, I, yes. Okay. So what's your kind of, when did you start getting involved in baseball as a kid? And what led you up to being getting into coaching? Well, my dad was a football coach. Um, and he he loved football. Um, and I loved football. I played football and grew up on um, a football field, you know, after school, I'd go right to football practice and, um, you know, tackle the dummies and uh, run water bottles out to people and dry footballs off. And, um, and, and I, I just really enjoyed the game of football. Um, and I actually went to college to play football. Uh, baseball was kind of like a, also an opportunity. And they said, you know, we'd love for you to come play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed baseball a lot uh too as a kid my grandfather was a baseball player um and he was he barnstormed with um with with babe ruth and the story of our character lefty um is is based on him and we we added a couple things to it but really it was his story um and so that was something as a as a kid that i enjoyed you know talking baseball with my grandfather and talking football with my father, but the one I lived around more was obviously football. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got to uh, the end, you know, to you know, junior, senior year, I saw baseball changing a little bit because people were taking it a lot more serious um, as, as a player. Okay. And, and that I took it a little bit more with a, a football mentality. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring it every day. I'm going to, you know, um, when kids are younger and I want them to go out and have fun and, and have a great time, but I wasn't about the looseness and the, you know, Hey, let's get Johnny a hit. Like if Johnny doesn't get a hit all year, I didn't care. Okay. Um, you know, that was, it didn't mean that I didn't like Johnny. Um, it was just that this game is hard and mm-hmm. you know, you got to earn everything you get and you got to scrap for it. And I like that mentality, which kind of came from probably the mixture of my grandfather and my father. So, as I got older in the game, people were taking it a lot more serious and, you know, um, not everybody wasn't hitting 700, um, you know, so people are, you know, <laughs> battling to, you know, and, and I like that, that, you know, the, the cream rising to the top, you know, the, um, and so when I went to college, everybody was kind of in that mentality and that was really enjoyable to me because I saw so many things that applied to life through the game of baseball. And, um, so that also had to do with like my, my grandmother and my family in general about, you know, um, 
you know, constantly arguing and discussing things. And, and uh, so the, that was kind of, I saw, I saw how it applied. Um, I also saw how, honestly how brutal football was at that next level. Um, how, you know, injuries, the um, things that people had to do to, to, to perform. And um, I kind of decided, you know, this is, it, it applies. It's super, football is very, very entertaining. And there's some really good life skills you can learn from the game and, and uh, camaraderie. But at that level, it's pretty intense. And it it actually doesn't apply too much, in my opinion, to everyday life as baseball does um, because those are gladiators and they're doing something that most people can't do and because of their human size and speed. So I didn't see it applying as much in life. And, and so that probably, you know, pushed me away from it and pushed me more towards baseball. Um, okay. And uh, I just enjoyed the, that. So we, yeah, I mean, family upbringing and, and the, uh, there's a lot of discussions and baseball also is the slowest game to change. And I not necessarily wanted to change the game of baseball, but make an impact in people's lives because of how slow it changes. I thought that it was a good opportunity. It's been around forever, but it has a long way to go. Okay. And I thought I could make an impact. All right, so two questions. Uh, where'd you go to college? I went to Central Washington University. Go Wildcats. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I went. That's where I went as well. And I went to my, Central. My, yeah. Yeah, I went to Central. My freshman year was the best six years of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was there for. I was in college for a long time myself. <laughs> the totally just because you made a statement, I'm going to add. You said baseball is the slowest to it. You know, change. Personal yeah. opinion. Universal DH. Are you in favor of it? Yes. At the MLB level. You are? Yes. Why are you in favor of it? I think that it's more exciting for fans. Um, I think that we'll have longevity of pitchers. Um, uh -huh. And I think that we can also have longevity of some really good hitters uh, because of the DH rule. Um, you know, playing that full schedule, you know, 160 plus games. And um, that's a lot. Um, having a DH to rotate to give a guy a day off in a, as a position is uh, – I think important. So I, I think that you're going to have some better players in the game longer because of it um, on both sides, pitching and hitting. I never thought about it from the pitching angle to, to be honest with you. I never thought about that. That's, that's interesting. Cause I've always thought about it in the, you know, let's say Nelson Cruz back. He right. just signed with the, the nationals right. lengthening his career by another season. I mean, he probably would have been signed by an American league team, but Right. Now he's got more teams to choose from. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But, but, but if you think about it, it's not just, it's not pitchers just hitting in those games, but there's think about the hundreds and hundreds of hacks that you're taking a week, thousands a week. Um, that you don't need to, and that's a lot of, that's wear and tear, especially when they're not always the same movements that you're making, right. even though no. there's a lot of similarities from the stretch position and hitting, but um, yeah, it's, 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 it's wear and tear. And okay. they get hurt, and it's. I think it's better for the game, okay. and for the fans. Uh, for the fans, because those players, good players, are going to stay in the league longer. Um, but also, the offense that it is provided because of it. Okay. So then, after Central, uh, what did you do after after your time at Central? Well, I mean, I, I finished school at the Evergreen State College um, okay. because I 
got a coaching job at St. Martin's University. All right. And so I, um, I jumped the grad assistant, volunteer assistant, and I'm one of those guys that like to jump in the deep end. So I had opportunities to be grad assistants and, and volunteer assistants, but I went for a full assistant coaching job. Um, and I couldn't finish my degree up at Central Washington because I needed to practicum and student teach over uh, a longer period of time. So it was such a good opportunity that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't finish the last piece I needed to be a special education teacher. Um, what I did is I went and worked at uh, Tomwater Middle School and was uh, worked with special needs, um, but I didn't have to write IEPs and I didn't have my degree finished. But um, that was an experience too. I mean, that's what I thought. I thought I was going to be a teacher and a coach. I thought I was going to coach football and baseball and worked adaptive PE. And that's what I really wanted to do. Um, thought it was going to be, you know, just great. Everything I wanted. Um, you know, the great, the coaching job at St. Martin's was unbelievable. Uh, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, working with middle school behavioral disabilities, because I was supposed to be adaptive physical education. Um, working with middle school behavioral disabilities, those people should be sainted because it is miserable. I shouldn't laugh. I, yes. hated, I, I, I hated it. Okay. It, it was it was a hard um the next year we did really well my first year at St. Martin's and the next year the 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 recruit coordinator became a head coach. Um because I mean, partially because I'm, I helped with recruiting and, um, he was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but so it kind of naturally progressed me into the recruit coordinator position. Um, and so I was 23 years old as a recruit coordinator, which is really young. Um, and all these other guys are like grad assistants that were my age, um, or trying to find that one gig, that one job. So, um, and we had the best season ever um at st martin's that they've had in school history um at that end of that year um which was was great and i was and sean the guy that left as the recruit coordinator was just he was a really great instructor so the year before my first year i he let me do more recruiting and then he would do more of my instruction things because we figured out that those were probably the better roles for the two mm -hmm. of us and uh we, you know, had that great season and, and I had applied for head jobs just to have the experience to go in and, you know, interview. And, um, I was interviewed at Green River Community College, which was, had been a, you know, a powerhouse in junior college baseball. And, um, they had some big wigs that they offered the job to, well, one of them, and, um, he was using his leverage. And then they came back to me and said, all right you were number two, would you, would you be interested? And, um, I, you know, I, I said, yeah. And so I was a 24 year old college head coach. Wow. I mean, you yeah. could have snuck out on the field and played. No one had noticed. I had players on both places that were older than I was. I was the yeah. youngest college head coach in the country for the first five years. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So it was for it was a long time. I was the, the youngest coach, but, um, yeah, no, it was it interesting uh, experience, probably too young. Um, there's some things I, I couldn't relate to that I can relate to now. Um, but uh, I don't know. Jumping in the deep end has been kind of my thing. Okay. So that was and, – and, and during that time, I finished up my 
college at the Evergreen State College because I decided I didn't want to, you know, work in special education and, and I really wanted to, uh, you know, follow my coaching career. Okay. So what came after Green River then? Well, I was at Green River for 10 years. And there's a lot that happened during that time. I coached, uh, I, I kind of did the circuits, you know, make, especially when I first started, I was at the tail end of, of a lot of changing when it comes to, uh, how coaches are, you know, paid. So I, my first year's contract was for $5,000, but I was a full-time coach. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, <laughs> I had to, I had to hustle. So I traveled the country for Cal Ripken cause that was about the time Cal Ripken retired. Uh-huh. And so I did um, their camps because that they turned Bambino baseball. So it was it's Bambino, Babe Ruth, Senior Babe Ruth. They changed the name from Bambino to Cal Ripken. And okay. so to do that and them him opening up the big facility in uh, Aberdeen, Maryland, um, they did these camps across the country okay. and um, just decked kids out in Orioles kind of gear, which was the colors of the of Cal Ripken. And uh, they had these big former major league stars that were the instructors, but then they brought us real coaches around to do the work. And I was part of that crew. Um, And it was pretty cool uh, to do that and, you know, meet up with, you know, travel all over the place and do stuff with Billy Ripken or Cal or, you know, all the Mark Parent and all these guys. And um, so that was quite the experience. And, I was with some just unbelievable coaches so that they were really intelligent. And what they did is they got these guys that were really, really good instructors. And then they brought these former major league people that would come out and say, this is how you do something. And then they would go shake hands and talk to moms and dads. And then we'd go out there and teach them how to do it. And um, to be in that group of people was uh, an honor. Um, So I, I did that. I, I did basically camp circuits all over the place. Um, I learned how to flip houses. It was okay. you know, pre pre the crash, you know. So um, I was flipping houses to make money. Um, right. And so my wife and I moved like ten times or something in <laughs> five years because we live in it. Because you know, right. um, and and in t- what two thousand four, I became the head coach for the kids at Blue Jackets in the West Coast League. Okay. So I started coaching in the league. So I, that was really my primary source of income because uh, I get paid a lot more than I got paid in the NWAC. Not long yeah. after they made those rules and, and, you know, to be considered full-time, you needed to be paid appropriately. But <laughs> Something um, about, you know, labor law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, <laughs> but there's a few years there of like, you know, my full-time job was paying me $5,000 a year. It's not a bunch to, you know, you can't make it. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. 420 so, bucks a month. Yeah. It was good though, because I had learned a lot of things and I had to try a lot of different things and stuff outside okay. of baseball and um, yeah. Designing houses okay. and stuff was interesting. All right. So then you became the head coach there for the blue jackets and then you ended up buying that team. Yeah. After not right after I was coaching. Right. right. Yeah. But you ended yeah. up purchasing that team and, you moved them from the Kitsap area up to Port Angeles. Correct. How has the team been received up, up in Port Angeles? 
it's been received really well. I, I spent the first two years, uh, 15 and 16, we kept a team in Kitsap. Um, and I have enjoyed the Kitsap area. I, I just, I knew going into it from the previous owners that it was going to be a difficult market because we lost a third of our fans when the Mariners played and a third okay. of our fans when the Rainiers played. So the proximity to the pro teams that were bigger was, was a killer. Um, okay. And so I knew how difficult that was. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to move the team immediately either. Um, I needed to find the right market, the right home for it. Mm-hmm. So I searched all over the place. And um, so I knew that the team would be received well in Port Angeles when, as I'd done my research, um, you know, uh, set up all the dominoes. Um, it was surprising to some people how quickly we were, uh, we were received. And, and, but I had spent two years, you know, in different areas, but setting up the dominoes. So once I knocked them over, um, they, they kind of fell. And okay. so it's been received really well. It's been a great community. Um, it's a, the perfect small market for the West coast league. You know, obviously we can do the Victoria's and the Portland's, but you need the Port Angeles's and the Wenatchee's. Or Edmonton. You, you overlooked Edmonton. Uh, they're a monster city too. Yeah. That's they're, they're, that city's bigger than Seattle in population. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, no, this league, this league is in some pretty impressive places. It absolutely is. Yeah. And as I've gotten to know a little bit more about the league, um, the Edmonton one though, to me is like that. It's just like, wow. Impressive ownership group too. Um, overall in this league from, so I was in, in this league when it first started and there were some really neat people that, that, that started the, the teams. Um, and, and there was teams that came from the Pacific international league. So some of these teams have been around for a long time. And a lot of these markets used to be Northwest league. Mm-hmm. So they've been in affiliated, unaffiliated, they've been kind of over the map, but as things have become more streamlined, the West coast league made sense to be formed and, and, and they did a really good structure of it. Um, and those guys were, and gals were great, um, that started the league, but what's really neat is how it's progressed. Um, and as new people have bought in teams or they've brought in new teams, um, the boardroom is just pretty, and it's a pretty amazing place. It's a really impressive group of people. So, the, the, the communities accepted the team. And so you're probably drawing from what? Port Angeles Forks, Squim, Port Townsend? Um, yeah, Port Angeles, Squim, Port Townsend, Chimicum, um, you know, Quilcene, some of the smaller towns. Um, we probably get more from Paulsbow than Port Townsend. Oh. Um, okay. Because of the fact that we were, it's not that, it's not that bad to get that from here, from, from Paulsbow. And, um, we had the Kitsap Blue Jackets, and so we do see some Blue Jacket jerseys in the crowd every once in a while. And they're, pro- they're usually from Paulsbo. Um, Port Townsend is more of an art community, mm-hmm. and don't have they don't have a huge sports um, following. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to change that. Um, I'm trying to change that. But I've been I've been working with their their little leagues, and and then, and that's my way to solve that problem is get more kids participating and they have a big increase of kids playing now. Okay. That's good. I, I want the sport to continue to, I want it to regain some of its popularity. How's that? Just, you know, yeah. Well, it's cyclical. It's some of it's yeah. cyclical. 
um, all sports, all team sports right now are losing participants. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and some of it is fine. You know, I, as long as kids are being active and people are being active, that's, uh, it's fine. Um, there are some life things that baseball teaches that other sports don't. And, um, each one has their own unique things that they teach. Um, but I think a kid being introduced to baseball or softball at some point in their life is, is an important thing. Um, you get to learn it. It just really applies to life, you know, overcoming failure and it's huge. Yeah, you hit if you if you hit three thirty three, you'd be in the Hall of Fame guaranteed. So a third, right. if you were successful a third of the time, you're a Hall of Famer. Right. I mean, how do you? I mean, what what's his name from the Mariners last year? Kelnick. Yeah, you know that that kid comes up with such expectations that he's going to be the next superstar, and right. he just had a miserable run for a while. Mental, and it's it's the mental part. Yeah, and he just and I you know I'm excited to see him come back this year. And hopefully yeah. uh, reaches talent level. Couple of questions. So, do as I'm still trying to get my my feet around me on the league. Do you guys have a rival? Is there a rival team that you have? Well, Victoria. Okay. I mean, they're. I mean, they're. We're 17 miles from home plate to home plate. Okay. Uh, four, 14 miles is across the water. Um. So we're a mile from our park is a mile from, you know, the, where the boat comes off and they're, you know, two. Okay. Um, so yeah, we come over there and we have a mob of people. Uh, we, we don't even take a bus over. We walk on the boat. We walk to the park and okay. a bunch of our town follows us. And it's awesome. It's a great, it's like, it's like the Sounders going up the mall to, you know, the stadium, like soccer. Okay. It's, it's like that. It's fun. Um, okay. when they come, when they come here, they don't do that. All their fans, uh, go to our golf courses and fill up all of our golf courses. You can't go golfing when they're here. And then they show up about the second or third inning, um, half cropped. And, um, it's awesome too. Um, and they're so friendly. Um, Victoria has been a huge help to us when we first came in. Uh, Jim Swanson has been over here and, you know, help me, you know, work with the city and, um, who's a great representative. And, um, I go over there, visit often. Um, you, you know, it's, it, you know, they have, we're totally, some things don't apply that they do in Victoria because of the size of the city, but there are things that I can adapt and there's ideas that I've had that they've adapted. And, um, that's one thing that we're not, we're competitive is all get out on the field, but when mm-hmm. it comes to your, your market, that's your market. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's, you, you rather see them be strong than Mm -hmm. to knock them down. So there's a lot more, um, communication and working together than I think people would, would think, because none of us have written the book on it. Like, and this is how it has to be. Um, especially now with the people that are in there, it's a lot lot more working together than I think people would, would imagine. imagine. Yeah. But everybody in the league has a rivalry with Corvallis. Just you know. So, for the everybody. listeners that may not know why, can you elaborate on why why you made that statement? Well, I mean, they're the Yankees and the Celtics and the the Lakers and like any dynasty team combined into one. Um, they were part of the founding of the league. 
um, they were the Aloha Knights, and now obviously the Corvallis Knights. Knights as in Phil Knight and Penny Knight. Um, they play at Oregon State, which is the, you know, one of the best college programs in the nation. Um, they, they run a first-class operation, no question. Um, I mean, their bus is nicer than any, the rest of the buses combined in the league. But I don't knock them for that. Um, they are they run a they run a great organization. They've had great coaches, uh, great staff, you know, great a great president and Dan Siegel. Um, <clears throat> they they do everything correctly, and um, they're a model, and they've win. They win, um, and but the, for a small town, every place wants to beat the team that has won what we've had what sixteen championships, and I think they've won like nine of them. You know, so okay. it's over over half. Over half. Yeah, I wish I could I, I could pull the exact number out, but um, but the smaller markets want a piece of them more than anybody sure. because they do come in with. I'm not saying that uh, like uh, anything wrong with it, but they're, they're cocky. You know, some bravado, if you will. They absolutely are, and yeah. um, most teams do that, but they have a different air about them. So when they roll in. Um, you know, in a town like Port Angeles, even if you're not a big baseball fan, you know, the hair on the back of your neck kind of stands up and you're like, all right, let's go. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're a good model. They, um, they do it, they do it well, they do it classy. Um, but yeah, I mean, a team wins that often. Um, and no, I don't want parody. People talk about parody. No, if, if, if they're the standard, the gold standard, I want them in my league. I want to, I want to achieve that. Well, it's okay. Let's just, we'll keep it with baseball. The Yankees, the dreaded Yankees, you either love them or you hate them, but they're great for the sport. They are. You, you need a villain. You need a villain. Even if it's yeah. it, it, a villain doesn't have to be a bad guy per se. You just need that team to put a target on their back and go, we're going to beat them. Yep. You know, those, and, and then they, they respond by going, and we're going to go get this, this player. Yeah. They're like, good luck. Yeah, and, and we're going to up our game. So I yeah. think I do. I think I think from a from a competitive standpoint, uh, we all been, it gets disheartening if you're a Mariners fan and you haven't gone to the playoffs in a right. number of. But that's not because of the Yankees. Yeah, life's not the, always fair. Right, and, and it's not the Yankees aren't the reason the Seattle Mariners haven't gone to the playoffs. No, I mean, and they so, have eliminated them from it, but they're uh, not the reason. They're not the reason. So. Corvallis and no we joke in, in on the show that we don't talk about Oregon but you know we have to we have to bring them up yeah what let's go this way so for people that are listening to this that don't understand the league how do the teams go about obtaining players for the season so your first I, I've done all parts of this um your first contact is your, your colleges or your scouts that you're connected to. And you go to um, say, we'll use the Mariners for example, and, and the university of Washington, they'll say, okay, here's the guys that I would look at at the university of Washington or Washington says, here's our prospects and here's the teams that are on them. So you can cross check them. And then you, you kind of expand that and it gives you a base of a roster. And then you go to colleges that you know, but maybe you don't know the scout in that area. Um, 
and you cross-reference that way, and, and maybe you go to um, some scouts that are referencing colleges that you don't know, um, mm-hmm. but at least you have eyes on it and, and, and a recommendation. And then you have a base of a roster, um, and, and then you also would have some players that are returning um, you know, from before, and now you have a pretty good roster. Now you're looking for specific things. I need more left-handed pitching. I need more right-handed bats in the outfield. And that's usually when you need to go put eyes on people and, mm-hmm. um, or, or find somebody in the area or in their league that can put eyes on for them. You know, uh, if you like really trust somebody and you have a long history with them, you could ask them, they know what you're looking for and they could report back. But yeah, there's times where you have to, you know, you may get down to the real end and you're looking for a shortstop that swings from the left side and you get some recommendations through people you're not that connected to in Southern California. Well, you got to go take a trip and go see okay. or send somebody so, that you can. So these are all college kids. Correct. Correct. And yeah. so t- typically what, 18 to 20? Our average age is about 19 and 11 months. They're almost 20 years old, Almost 20. I would say. Okay. Um, but yeah, you get players sometimes up to 22, um, sometimes yeah, 18. Um, but you're only allowed, you know, so many younger, younger players. Um, okay. But, you know, if somebody is much older, if they're 21, 22, then they're already draft eligible. And if they're really that to that level, they'd be signed. And gone. So these are not these are these are players that are not draft eligible. Is that well, correct? N- no, no. Some yes, a lot of them are draft eligible. Depends on what level they go to. It's confusing, but um, if you go to a four year school, you cannot be drafted until you're 21, or you're finished your junior year of college. Okay. Um, if you go to community college, you're eligible draft eligible immediately. Oh. Okay. Yes. So that's why community <laughs> college baseball is actually. I, when I was at Green River, Trey Simmons, who a University of Washington, you know, that really good basketball team, um, he played at Green River and he put in like 50 a night. It was ridiculous. Like, you, you know, and he was the sixth man at that Washington team, which was a good team, really good team. But, I mean, he was unstoppable. Um, you know, we had eight Division One players on our baseball team. You know, okay. I mean, so give you an idea. I mean, and there was, and we weren't the only one, um, you know, lower Columbia, all of them. So, because the guys are draft eligible. So, um, yeah, yeah, you can get some, some pretty obscure colleges when you're trying to find, you know, a power hitting right fielder and you end up at, in the middle of Oklahoma, um, that you don't know the coaching staff or anything, you know, um, but the kid's a prospect. Mm -hmm. So, so different. So the kids come to, in your case, Port Angeles, and they're staying with yep. host families. Correct. Okay. Yep. And the my understanding is that the league tries to emulate a professional baseball travel arrangements and all that, like road trips and kind of to help introduce the concept of how Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball is structured. Yeah, it's not. I mean, we literally are the same as a, you know, short season A schedule. Like it's no joke. Six days a week, Mondays are off, games are at consistent times, uh, workouts during the day, trainers, uh, you know, uh, okay. pre-workouts, like uh, post-game meals, 
and, and most minor leaguers at that age also are with host families too. Okay. Yeah. Are the kids paid to play or because they're college athletes, are they, I, I, they're not allowed to be paid, um, okay. but we can take care of everything for them. So right. meals, um, at the field, um, travel, you know, obviously with the host family, we travel on a bus, uh, uh, a hotel. Of, kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. A kid doesn't have to have any money in his pocket once they get here. Okay. Yeah. For the lefties, where's the most obscure place you pulled a player from in your opinion so far? Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, we get players from, we've had players from Australia, from South Africa, Taiwan, Japan. Um, All right. Let me interrupt you. How are you, how are you getting eyes on kids in South Africa and Australia? I mean, you're not flying to, or are you, you're not, you're not traveling to go see these kids in person. uh, Most of the time, those ones have been, have gotten into the American system, collegiate system. Okay. Of some sort. Um, They come through. Um, there's a few places, I mean, that randomly you can find a kid that's, you know, that shows up because of a exchange program or, or, you know, one of those deals, but, um, there's a few places that have in the country that have, you know, ties in those areas. Um, okay. the one that I've gotten some really good international players, it's kind of an odd one, but, um, New Mexico military Institute, um, gets players from all over the world. And I can't and, imagine why the New Mexico Military Institute would be a it's a junior college prospect hotbed. It's a it's a junior college, and they recruit probably kids that eventually could be going into their military system uh, okay. for those countries, um, okay. and that's why they've left their system and come to the United States. Um, but I mean, obscure. I, I mean, some of these guys are, you know, it's from all over the place, uh, but. I did have a player named Lawson Hips that was from Booger Hollow in Arkansas. So that's probably the most obscure. I'm like, how big, how big, he was such a funny kid, but he's like, I was like, how big is Booger Hollow? And he goes, seven people and a coon dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hysterical. And uh, he played at uh, Arkansas State. Arkansas and, State. Uh, he absolutely, and he played for me in Kitsap, but man, he was, that kid was a riot. So, why do the colleges want the players to play in the West Coast League? Well, it's not only the colleges. The, the scouts want them to, and they need to. If they really have the desire to move up the levels, you need to know what, um, you know, 120 games feels like. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's your college season and our season combined. Right. Um, the wear and tear of the body. Um, it's kind of where you start to see you guys get separated a little bit. Um, okay. You know, because – not all bodies can hold that, you know, can continue to perform um, on that length of time. Baseball is a weird game compared to other ones, but it applies to life, in my opinion. And you've heard that a few times now, but it's a marath- <laughs> it's a marathon of a season, right? Right. But that that marathon is ran in sprints, mm-hmm. right? And when you sprint, I make you obviously, it's a tax on your body. Um, and a marathon is taxed on your body. Imagine running a marathon of sprints. Um, and that's what it is. And not every physical body can 
can withstand that. So when you see performance dropping or you see who can maintain that, it's significant. Has anyone from, since you've owned the team, has anyone made it to the major leagues? Um, I have multiple players uh, that were in the Kitsap system that are in the major leagues. Uh, and we've been five years in Port Angeles and we have three AAA guys right now and okay. 12 that are marching up the system. So, I mean, you know, you see your top people are can be in the show in like two or three years. Um, okay. But, you know, five is kind of like your like standard or average. Um, those three kids that are uh, in triple A right now, I mean, they could have been in the three-year deal, and right now they're on their fourth. Um, so okay. um, it's, you know, but, yeah, it takes it takes a little time. Um, but, when, yeah, when you move to a new market, you don't get the guys that are going to make it in three years right away. You know, it you takes – to kind of kind start establish over. yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even if, even though the, the team came from somewhere else, you still – different mindset for people, you know, of where they're sending them and, and they don't necessarily want to send that prospect because what is their living situation? What is the training situation? What is the, you know, so it takes a couple of years, but um, if you go back through the kids out time, yeah, there's a lot. Okay. Uh, this league has quite a few uh, major leaguers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been, um, well, there's two Mariners that I know of that are uh, been in the league. Well, um, um, actually the last spring roster i looked at they had five five okay five. So, and the yeah. giants had five um, Oh, okay yeah so i was i mean with the 2020 cy young award winner who played at Callitz, played longview really um, yeah so it's uh yeah the two years ago our, we had the first and third drafted you know in the pick in the draft was our, the first pick and the third pick were west coast league players that's that's cool yeah that's really cool all right. So if somebody comes to Port Angeles, they're going to check out a game. We're going to ask you to, we're going to paint you a scenario and I want you to fill it in for us. Okay. So let's say somebody from Tacoma decides, Hey, I want to drive up to the peninsula and I want to check out a Port, Port Angeles lefties game. We're going to make a weekend of it. Okay. What should they do besides the lefties game? Make reservations early <laughs> <laughs> because this town is so full in the summertime. And if you don't make reservations early, you may get up here and have nowhere to uh, nowhere to nowhere stay, to sleep. and that would okay. be an issue. But right. um, yes, I would I would make plans early, um, and you can roll right up to the park, or you can go online to get tickets. Okay. Um, and what are tickets cost? What are, what are what are tickets for a lefties game? Um, Five dollars for the general admission, okay. fifteen for the baseline seats, and twenty behind home. And uh, it's pretty good deal uh, yeah. for five bucks. People go down to the on-field beer garden, um, especially on Tuesdays, and drink two-dollar Rainiers, and you know, pretty cheap night, and they have a good pretty time. Pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Um, most hotels in our area are walking distance. Okay. So if someone came from the outside, I'd tell them, you know, walk on, walk to the field, you walk home okay. after. Um, right. it's a, pre- it's a pretty, it's right. You know, we're four blocks. Um, and basically you're two blocks from the water. So you could walk down two blocks and walk on the water all the way home to the okay. hotel. Yeah. So what else is in Port Angeles for people to do? 
because we're about Washington State. Let's let's talk about town. Well, Hurricane Ridge um, is obviously a huge place for tourists to come. Um, Lake Crescent, Lake Sutherland, yeah. Salt Creek. Uh, I mean, there is just like the Olympic National Park. Everything is there. You're not far from Salduck. Um, we have Edis Hook. We have the Dungeon of Spit. Um, and that's just stuff off the top of my head. I mean, right. I, I grew up, was born in the Northwest. Um, and there's just always been this like pretty picture around us as you, as you, you know, it's just un- some unbelievable views and, and things to do in Washington. Um, Port Angeles is like living in the picture. It's like, you okay. cannot, it's 360. Um, the mountains are snow covered till what, almost July. And they hover over the top of you, and the water is like looking at it right now from my front room. I mean, you pretty much it's you're, there's nowhere to turn without having like, oh my goodness, look at that. So how do you? So I'm going to ask a question that seems glaringly obvious, but how do you like living in Port Angeles? It's been great. It's been great. I mean, we came from a city, and and so I think with my boys um, and my wife, it was you know a little getting used to, but. You know, I, I was born in Aberdeen and, and, and new small town and lived in Olympia, lived in other places. And, um, they, you know, it took a little bit of getting used to. Um, it's mm-hmm. different. There is difference in a small town. Um, sure. Uh, especially, you know, having that conversation with my wife about, you know, someone coming and asking her about horses or whatever. And um, she wanted to know what the angle was. What's the angle? And I'm like, well, we're not in a city. She just literally wanted to talk to you about that she doesn't need anything from you um you know um that's different right so getting used Mm -hmm. to those things and want to be able to take them at face value because you see them every day um i had experienced that and none of them had so um but i think they really enjoy it and it's almost like being back 30 years in time Mm -hmm. um they you know the newspaper radio are still you know sources of information um People are very involved in politics here. Um, it's the last bellwether state or city. Um, they mm-hmm. and it's no joke <laughs> when they when they do politics stuff. They, they you know the women's league has the interviews and the business association does, and you go to them and you listen to okay. what people have to say. And um, you don't necessarily vote Republican Democrat. You you listen to the candidate, the person, and what they're talking about. And so that's different. Um, and you feel comfortable letting your kids like walk and around and i know how to navigate the system I, you make a couple phone calls and find out oh uh where are my kids at and someone goes well i think i heard them this way and then and the, you know they call the thompsons and they're like yeah yeah they're down on sixth street between here and here um and now that i have a son that's old enough to drive you know it's the same thing i'm like you know if you ever see the prius doing something stupid call me and they would Right. You know, and, and that's, you don't get that in a big a, city. You don't get it in a big city yeah. ever. Do your kids go, uh, does the family go to the games? Yes. Are your kids in, your kids into it? They are, they are working. Okay. So, um, they, they play baseball in the summer and okay. then when they're not playing baseball, they're at the park working, they're doing something. So okay. my oldest son, is now kind of the jack of all trades. Like he, he's helped in the press box. He's helped in concessions and tickets and like all that stuff. My wife, who's a director of finance uh, for a school, for a school district, you know, a pretty powerful job. 
um, shows up and helps in the concession stand. Um, my youngest son gets foul balls. Um, he helps with merch. He helps with different things. But if he has any downtime, he um, he's a little entrepreneur. He he hustles um, the opposing team's bullpen. And what he does is he sells them concession food because they're not supposed to go in the concession line with the fans <laughs> for a markup. And uh, he has a little – he's made this little uh, team of people that come with him, his little buddies. And and they also hustle uh, foul balls out of kids. They're like, I'll get you an autograph ball. So they he comes in and takes, like, uh, you know, BP balls and asks a player, hey, sign this for me, please. And then he takes the baseball and then takes the game ball back from the kid because he knows how much of game ball is worth. Um, well, how much does a game ball cost? Uh, about five bucks. Okay. And yeah. how many how many do you go through in a game on average? Three, three dozen. Okay. Yeah. So that's, wow. you know, it's about five bucks. You know, it's part of the deal. We know it's going to be a loss when they go out. Sure. But, right. and I never ex- explain this to my son. He just knows what they're worth. And so he would rather change out a BP ball. Um, well, okay. So what's a BP ball cost? Uh, maybe a buck 50. Okay. He's yeah. a smart, how old, is this, how old is your son? He's 12. He's a smart kid. Yeah, so the, I, the, I love the, the, the I love the hustle for the oh. the the bullpen hustle. Oh yeah, I'm surprised I mean, he. Hopefully, he won't listen to this, but I'm surprised he hasn't asked you for a discount at the concession stand so he can make even more money. Well, I mean, he's got a little. Pretty, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't need that much money, but you know, hot dogs for like three bucks, and he sells them for five. He's doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, but think about it. if you could get them from you for two fifties, make an extra fifty. Oh no, I know. Oh, he he tries to negotiate with me all the time, and he. He uh, he takes really good pictures, uh, really okay. good pictures, and he's because he's running around the park and he knows where to be, and he mm-hmm. also knows what's probably going to happen because he's seen so much baseball at his age. Um, right. So he takes like unbelievable uh, photographs, and right. I was like, oh hey, send me that to me, fifty cents every time. <laughs> every picture he sends me, he wants fifty cents. So he's he. Trust me, he knows how to negotiate. That's awesome. Or he won't send them to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, let's wrap this up with a couple of questions. So where can people find out more about the, the lefties? And yeah. So leftiesbaseball.com. Um, and okay. then social media at leftiesbaseball. Um, uh, the Facebook is probably, and Instagram are probably the, you know, the quickest up to date if something, you know, is going quickly, but leftiesbaseball.com is ticket schedule um, and everything okay. funnels back to that. Do you guys have anything on the schedule this year? Big promotion thing, any special nights, any, you know, any big events like that? Uh, we always do um, have a ton okay. of stuff. Um, I mean, we just did uh pitch and stitch. We wrapped that up yesterday. So that'll be, a, yeah, we're going to have a uh, hundred uh, knitters in the park on the party deck. Um, but yeah, no, we, we have tons of different stuff. Do you remember when there's no jumbotron, there's no video board, um, the fans are the entertainment. And so that, that usually is like the part that people don't realize that not been to this level before that we have Mm -hmm. the entertainment value. It's just our fans need to participate. So, you know, the T-Rex running, um, is, is a great one. Everybody loves that. And, 
Um, oh, wiener dog races was, has been huge last year. Um, okay. we did, we did five wiener dog races and people went nuts. Our crowd was, you know, 20% larger when we did wiener dog races. They just came for the wiener dogs. Um, they're, they're hilarious <laughs> though. Um, and so there, that we have, uh, you name it, shooting shirts into the crowd and, um, one uh, Rudd orthodontic uh, in town, he's the only orthodontist left in town, um, takes all the dentists' patients to a game. So like 3,000 people. Um, it's pretty awesome. And then he throws out candy to their, <laughs> you know. And last, two years ago, or was it in 2019, he brought in so many baseball cupcakes. It was ridiculous. Like, like 3,000 of them and enough that like we had to I just said time in the game I was I wasn't coaching at that time I I went out and said hey to the umpire it was a non-league game I'm like can you give us five minutes please and he's like "Uh, okay and uh, I went to the whole team and was like we can't the staff can't get these cupcakes out we need your help and so they just and 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 the thing was is no one no one had a chance to videotape it because we were all trying to get the cupcakes out. Everybody was working. Um, but <laughs> the picture in my mind of having 30 baseball players chucking thousands of baseball cupcakes into the sea of people, um, it was it was absolutely hilarious. And um, that's the oh, kind yeah. of stuff that you don't, that you don't get to see. Um, and one that this is in our park, but an example of that was Victoria. One time I was in Victoria and they had a, a yoga class going and at the end okay. of it before the game and at the end of it uh the guy put on some like music like dance music and all these people that were doing yoga just started dancing on the infield and everybody's trying to get warmed up and nobody could get them off the field like they couldn't like the guy they were just weren't listening and it was hilarious and um something that people will remember forever. They, they didn't remember who won the game. We won that game, by the way, but they don't remember <laughs> who won the game. They'll just remember, I went to a baseball game and a yoga thing was going on and the dance party broke out and they couldn't get them off the field. You know, they're, they'll remember it. And, and that's, yeah, that is, that stuff is exciting. Finally, the owner went down and uh, literally unplugged it. And that's what stopped it. He, I watched him go finally like unplug the thing. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff that you, you don't see at a Mariners game. No, no, you don't. That's There's neat things there, but there's neat things in the small markets too. Absolutely. I, I do have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Approximately. What's the stadium, uh, called, what's your stadium's name and how, what's the capacity? Um, it's civic field. It's located about four blocks from downtown, right off the strip. Um, a lot of rooftops around it. Um, it was built in the you know 60s um its capacity is about 5000 but for baseball it's about 3000 um okay. we've been above 3000 but our ticketing system is cut off at that number so the times that we go above 3000 it's a guest of it um <laughs> you know um yeah it's it's really a, a beautiful park john stanton came cuz he owns some teams in this league he came to our park and sat behind home plate and um, he, he told us that that was the best backdrop in, in all of baseball. This is a guy that owns a major league team. This is a guy that has seen them all. And, um, 
I could, our parks director and our city manager like floated and what, when they walked away after he told them that. Um, so hurricane Ridge, when you're behind home plate is the backdrop, Oh, you know, so geez. the whole hillside and hurricane Ridge. And then if you're standing on the field, the backdrop is, uh, the straight of Juan de Fuca. That can be distracting. Yeah. It's yeah. The sunsets and the Alpen glow, um, from the mountains, oh. you have the big, you know, the pink glow uh with the snow covered mountains as the sun goes down in the summer pretty unreal i can't even take pictures to justify it okay i totally should have asked you this question at the very beginning of the of the of the conversation but as the owner what's your day-to-day what do you do day-to-day um what don't i do um okay Um, usually, you know, uh, pre-setting up all the stuff that's going on, uh, pre-setting up mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the, the events for the day, you know, if we're going to have, uh, you know, pizza box races and all that kind of stuff and making sure that that stuff is all coordinated, um, that we have the groups that are coming and making sure that things are taken care of. Um, you know, it's, it I'm not necessarily doing the setup for it, but making sure that the pieces are in place. Um, mm-hmm dealing with the coaching staff. Um, if, you know, there's something needed, getting ready for a travel trip, uh, dealing with the bus driver because I own the buses um, and making sure that, you know, that we're, you know, things are taken care of there. Um, delivery of beer. Um, I'm usually the one that's taking kegs off, um, even though I have a, other people because I physically can do it. And, um, a lot of times I don't want to put other people in that position. I'm the one yeah. that, that's part of building it. I know where it's supposed to go and I don't mm-hmm. want someone to, to, you know, so, um, and then basically uh, early in the season, there's a lot of teaching people how to do things. Even if they've done it before, they haven't done it in a year. It's not a, you know, 365 mm-hmm. kind of job um, right. or updating them on the new things that are in place. And then mm-hmm. as the season goes on, it, it, the the workload on me actually really diminishes because they know what you can write something on the board and they know what it means. Um, gotcha. And uh, things get put in places better and they understand the systems. And then, yeah, by usually by like week two or three, it's really much easier on me. By the end of the season, I have a lot of time, but I have other businesses going too. We have mobile bars. We have, I have a restaurant. I have, um, so there's a, there's about a good month in there that they just need to leave me alone. And that's, I'm just Australian the baseball team. But other than that, um, you know, I'm, I'm back with all of them and kind of overseeing all of them. Okay. If you could meet one baseball player past or present, who would you want to meet? Someone I've never met before. Yeah, someone you've never met. So, you know, dead, dead or alive, you know, past or present, it doesn't. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think Babe Ruth would be somebody to ask questions of, um, but not probably the standard questions. I think okay. it would be interesting. Okay. Um, okay. That would, um, but probably the person I'd like to meet most would be Branch Rickey. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, just for, if it was just meet anybody, 
you know, talk about baseball, you know, but I just don't think for Babe Ruth, I mean, the person was extremely talented and, and uh, troubled and all over the map and, you know, um, I, you know, but it would be interesting to, you know, get his take. But if I wanted more in depth, which is, I would want to be like a branch Ricky, somebody that's been, you know, or a Connie Mack, you know, been mm-hmm. on the field, been in management, been ownership, um, mm-hmm. you know, Al Davis, uh, not in baseball, but, same thing. Football, yeah. Played, coach, what about, owned. Um, what about? Oh, what's his name? He just escaped me. Uh, Finley, Charlie Finley. Yeah, I mean, those any of those kind of people. It's just that's the ones that have been through multiple aspects of it. They see it from different angles. Sure, that would be. Okay. You know, that would be interesting to me. Okay. What. Do you hope the next couple of years, I asked two to five, I know five is hard to predict in the future, but what do you hope to see for the the lefties in the next couple of years? Got any short, you know, on the horizon goals, changes, things you want? Well, I want to get a, I want to get, I do want to get a video board out there. Um, Not because I want to have the Jumbotron take away from the fan uh, experience, but um, because the, I think that the the facility needs it, it, you know, for the high school sports, for community sports, for ourselves. Um, I think that that's a big deal. Um, what we're personally working on is is uh, targeted group ticket sales. Uh, we get these massive groups that are that come in, um, like the like the orthodontist and those kind of things. But um, that's one thing that I know that I've lacked at um, since I've been here because there's only so many things you can do, and sure. pe- people still it's a small town and I knew they would show up if we communicated with them, but there's a difference between doing that and targeting. Um, like we want the hospital workers here on this day. We want the teachers here on this day. And that's, that's really what my GM is focusing on is, uh, okay. is, or, is organizing that for them. Um, do, I, do the teachers still come? They do. And do the hospital workers still come? They do, but I'd like them to come on. We know they're coming on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that right. teachers are coming on this date. We know that, mm-hmm. you know, Interfor or Lakeside Industries are coming on these dates rather than them coming in small little groups. You know, they can still come in the small little groups and we want that. But, uh, you know, we have some pretty big companies up here that are based in, in Port Angeles. And, um, you know, that that's something that I just have not had time for and or the right person to do it. Now I do. All right, my get out of jail free card question is always, what didn't I ask you that I should have? Oh, well, I'm pretty much an open book, so you um, could have asked anything. I, I had to, I had to figured out a way to at least give you my opinion on it. But um, <laughs> okay, um, the season, the season probably when it starts and finishes, um, it okay. it, fin- it starts at the end of May, and it finishes on. So this year we'll start on. Uh, Labor Day weekend, so we, uh, excuse me, Memorial weekend, because we'll play a non-league series, which we we have a couple non-league series. It's kind of a rare thing, but everybody loves them because, you know, it's it's a way to see the team before the games count. And there's the mm-hmm. old uh, semi-pro teams that are around in Seattle still. And so you bring mm-hmm. them over and you play them. Um, so we'll do that right before the season and play a, set, a series there and the guys get to know each other and then um we'll finish up like august 14th and with postseason to be like august 21st so it's a pretty 
tight schedule. I mean, it's what mm-hmm. eight days off total all summer. Yeah. Um, and I guess yeah. the question that most people do ask me that you didn't ask is how, how much do they practice before they get there? How like, well, I was just going to ask, cause you said that, thank you for that. How early do they get, how early are they getting to Port Angeles? Well, so our first game, I mean, our first game is on the 28th. And okay. I would say the earliest arrivers will be the 26th. Wow. So they're not getting really any, there's no quote unquote spring training no, for this. No, they, oh, they come okay. directly to us. Um, and, okay. and we'll have players show up all the way till middle of June. Okay. Yep. So, so how much are they practicing then on, on game day and you know, all that? Oh, it's, center day at 10 o'clock, they'll do like an early work session. Um, you'll go hit the weight room, um, have a few hours off in the afternoon and then we'll, they'll have another early work session. Um, so the workout, I shouldn't say the first one is more of a workout. Like they need to be there. Early work is, is more optional, um, mm-hmm. or required depending on, Hey, I'm telling you tomorrow to go to early work because you need to work on this. Um, right. and then batting practice starts at four fifteen. Um, opposing team hits at five fifteen, and we play at six thirty. So you can kind of see the day, you know, you get up at nine o'clock, you eat your food do your workout, go lift. You got a little break for a few hours. Um, do your workout. You got a break for about an hour uh, with the other team, you know, gets, does their stuff. And then you play at six 30 and you're probably up until two in the morning. Repeat. That's over and over. Again. Yeah. A lot. 64 times in 70 days or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to actually, having a small part in the league this year, at least at, at the home games in Wenatchee. So that'll be kind of interesting for me. So I hope I can hold up that pace. <laughs> I, I don't know. You'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's a blast. And you also get the advantage of like being off when they go on the road. Right. Right. Unless yeah. you're going to go mean, on the road and that's different. That hasn't been discussed. So I do not believe I'm going on the road. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I, but the, the thing- broadcasters do. Well, the thing is, though, is that in all seriousness, because of the whole Explore Washington State piece, I'd actually like to come and see games at, at your ballpark yep. and go to Walla Walla or Yakima or Richland. I think it's valuable you know, I think, for every staff to do that, at least go see another market. Um, yeah. And you learn some things. I mean, Wenatchee is actually a good example um, because the, the team with the second most titles is Wenatchee. Okay. Um, they they have proven the small market, um, you know, model, if you will, mm-hmm. um, of to win, and that was a team. I think they've they've won like four of the the championships. Yeah. So they they're they're um, it it is doable in a small market. It's exactly their model of what they used to do is what I'm trying to do here. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah. and you need to learn that, and you don't know that unless you go there. You can see the results at the end, but what are they doing? And you right. need to go and see for your own eyes. And I think you can learn from every park um, something. Um, there's, there, there's a difference between Wenatchee and Port Angeles, but there's similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a lot of things to apply from Walla Walla. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of things I can apply from Walla Walla. Um, so it's going to those places and um, seeing it for your own eyes and uh, finding out what your style is and, you know, compared to what theirs is and what is, what applies. 
Right. No, I agree. And, you know, it's really unfortunate to have to sit and watch a baseball game during the summer. I mean, yeah. It's hard work. You know, no fun there at all. Well, I, think I of, love doing it. Think about those parks you talked about. I mean, they're beautiful. Those are cool yeah. towns. Menachee and Walla Walla and, you know, and going up into Canada, Kelowna, Kamloops. Mm-hmm. Those are really – Kelowna is a beautiful town. I would have never visited Kelowna if it wasn't for baseball. I've never been there. So it's I have it's no, amazing. No. Okay. It's amazing. All right. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. Yes, thank uh, you. I wish you and the lefties uh, success this season, except for against Wenatchee. Again, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I I just want the I want the entire league to continue to grow and expand its uh, the the awareness of baseball in, in our region. I think that's it's great for everybody. I do too. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.